Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of December 15th, 2020, and officially episode number 462, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com, and we are officially halfway through the month of December. Today's the 15th, but you're like, no. Because there's 31 days, but for me, uh, this is the third show of five. So we are officially halfway through as far as I'm concerned, plus the 15th is most of the way over. So anyway, uh, technicalities. But uh, yeah, two more shows left in 2020. And uh, I'll be happy to put the year behind me, although it, it wasn't a complete... Complete washout for me, uh, unlike uh, a lot of people I know that uh, suffered a lot of problems and issues health-wise and monetary-wise. And uh, all the things just really, every time you turn the corner this year, bad things seem to happen. But I don't know. It's It's been a, a pretty decent year. I'm not going to complain, although all the other stuff that's been going on really hasn't been fun. But anyway... The paranormal news as the paranormal year is winding down and we're hitting the the tail end of everything. And, you know, I always say it's pretty rare that a, a big story pops up toward the end of the year. Of course, I almost, you know, I said that a few weeks ago that we had this uh, monolith story that just kind of blew up and got a little bit bigger. And it's now it's, it's finally fizzling out. It's finally going away. Uh, we got a little update on that tonight, but we're also going to talk uh, some top tens. Yes, of course, we have the top ten paranormal news stories of 2020 from uh, my vantage point, from my work on the year of covering the paranormal news for pretty much eh, pretty much the entire year. I had a couple of weeks off here and there, a couple of weeks in January. Uh, when I went on vacation out to Arizona and, um, I don't know, a couple of here and there I took, uh, when I moved, bought a house in uh, March. So I took a week or two, I think there. And I don't know, every now and again, I, you know, I need time off. Um, but, uh, it never stopped watching, never stopped reading this stuff. And it, it's just been pouring in this year, a lot of UFO stuff and a lot of these crazy zany one-off stories that pop up and go away, which uh, usually is the hallmark of a kind of a boring year. But we've had some pretty big stories, and we will count it down. Of course, we have been counting it down, of course. Uh, we covered uh, number 10 through number 7. So 10, 9, 8, and 7 the last two weeks. And tonight, of course, if you can count... There'll be uh, number six and number five tonight. So we'll be halfway through. Well, actually more than halfway through, I, I guess. Uh, halfway, more than halfway through the countdown tonight. And that'll only leave the top four. 
yeah, no vacations. Well, I had a vacation this year, but no vacations probably next year. That's for sure. Uh, I do have money for a cruise that I'm supposed to use to book a cruise, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think I'm going to get on. I'm not going to get on a cruise ship. I don't think unless I can get a uh, one of those uh, suits, biological suits that I can wear with a with a pump in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's see tonight. I'm not going to get too far in depth into, uh, too much news. I don't want to go over tonight. I don't want to keep you guys up too late. Got to get ready for all the snow. We're going to get here tomorrow with the, uh, almost the snowmageddon, little nor'easter passing through the area. Uh, probably going to hit the East coast pretty hard. Uh, but, uh, where I work is uh, pretty much the snow capital of Ohio. So I've got to be careful. Tomorrow, hopefully I can make it to Friday when I get my new tires. But, yeah, we'll see how things play out. But, yes, tonight we have another countdown. Not just the top ten paranormal news stories countdown, but we have one of our first. Um, you know, this time of the year, you get you get all sorts of countdowns for everything, it seems like. And probably a lot of stuff that we're not going to want to see this year. It seems like uh, celebrity deaths has, has been... Uh, a topic every now and again, every few years, I th- what was it, 2016, when it seemed like, my gosh, it just never stopped. Well, this year has been uh, absolutely horrible for this. Uh, some uh, big country singers, we lost a few of those this year. We've lost uh, probably one of the most popular basketball players in recent memory. Um, I just every time you turn around, somebody was, was passing away, and it's just... Not good. So, not looking forward to that story. Uh, the top ten news stories this year—it's we all know what it's all going to be about. Uh, but yeah, generally you start getting some stuff with uh, the paranormal this time of the year as well. I'm waiting for uh, the top cryptid stories. Generally comes out. Lauren Coleman usually puts out some stuff. Haven't heard anything. Uh, this year from his uh, his camp. He usually does the cryptozoologist of the year as well. And should have been by now. Maybe I just missed it. I'll have to look that up later now that I'm reminding myself. Uh, but no real cryptid news this week. But Listverse does have a, a, a story that just broke today. It's been copied by geez, probably seven or eight different other people here. But... Uh, it's one of the first countdown stories I've seen this year, especially on the paranormal. And it's titled, The Top 10 Cryptids Easily Explained by Real Animals. So that caught my attention. I thought, eh, you know, why not? It's a countdown story. I like to do countdown stories this time of the year. And, but why not? Cryptids that could be easily explained by real animals. And coming in at number 10, I was really, really disappointed by this. Uh, part of me was disappointed. The other part of me was like, geez, if this one's number 10, this is going to be a pretty uh, pretty extensive countdown. Uh, number 10 was Bigfoot. And I thought, gosh, if Bigfoot's number 10, he, he's, to me, probably one of the biggest, uh, not uh, physically, but, uh, well, maybe physically, but one of the biggest well-known cryptids in existence. So how could he be or she be 
because we're talking about Patty. Uh, how can this creature be number 10? But uh, also curious as to what their explanation was going to be. They didn't waste any time because it says uh, number 10, Bigfoot. And then it says bears. And their explanation with bears, uh, they talk about uh, not just bears, but bears with mange. And they talk a lot about mange in the story. And they don't get too far into explaining why a bear, other than a bear with mange. So a little bit of misinterpretation uh, of the creature. I mean, Bigfoot is generally described as pretty hairy. Not like a bald, giant creature. So I don't know why they're focusing on the mange aspect. But uh, really, from my research, uh, the bear-Bigfoot misinterpretation thing uh, is generally... Uh, that, uh, you know, while Bigfoot is obviously bipedal, it's got his two giant feet, and he's a pretty tall dude. You know, sometimes anywhere between as um, short as six foot tall all the way up to maybe 11 or 12 feet tall is described by some people. But again, on two legs, bipedal. But a bear, as we all know... Um, they generally walk on four legs. So how could you misinterpret a bear and think you saw Bigfoot? Well, uh, sometimes, and let me let me pop a, a myth right now because I was thinking about how I was going to write this or um, talk about this tonight. And I always want to mention when we talk about bears, uh, it, they, bears don't have poor smell. I don't know why everybody thinks that bears can't smell. The, the reason why I think people think this is because their eyesight, I'm sorry, I got that backwards. They're, they can't see. So bears have poor eyesight, according to a lot of people. Uh, but that's not true. Bears can see pretty well, but they can smell even better. Not smell like, like B.O., but they can use their sense of smell far better than their sight. And how that ties in uh, if you've ever been fortunate to see a bear in a distance and were able to see it um, pretty much the same time they saw you or maybe a little bit before that or heard it, snuck up on one, don't recommend doing that. I've done that once uh, on purpose, though. So I knew it was there. But uh, bears can smell humans or other threats long before they'll actually see it. And so to gain an advantage... Uh, to actually see this potential threat, they'll hop up on their back legs to get a better view. So uh, I think this is what a lot of people see. They they are walking through the woods. They're talking on their, uh, doing their little YouTube show. And this bear hears this racket, smells this onion breath walking through the woods. And it uh, hops up on its back legs to find out where that stench is coming from and all that racket. And uh, that's when... These people see these these bears standing up, kind of hobbling around a little bit. They don't uh, they don't really walk too well usually on the hind legs, but I'm pretty sure this is probably uh, one of the largest explanations for Bigfoot sightings. Now, one of the top ten stories a, a few years ago uh, on the show was Petals the Bear. So Petals the Bear. Uh, was recorded walking on his back legs uh, across uh, the lawn, the front lawn of somebody's house, just casually walking on two legs. It was kind of the weirdest thing you've ever seen. 
And it, it caused a lot of discussion about Bigfoot uh, misinterpretation uh, stories with bear walking on their hind legs. Now, this particular creature, Petals, uh, was thought to have been hit by a car at least once and it had its front legs damaged, so it couldn't really walk normally. So uh, they didn't think the bear was in a lot of pain, and there was a lot of, a lot of stuff around that story. Unfortunately, uh, the following year, Petals was also in the top 10, but that was because a hunter decided to harvest poor Petals and again, more controversy as to whether that was the right thing to do or not. But anyway, uh, Petals was never really misinterpreted for Bigfoot. It was a pretty cool thing to see, but it does kind of open your mind to but the potential of this happening. I think a lot of other Bigfoot sightings are just uh, trees. People see trees and they think it's a Bigfoot. Um, so number nine. Gosh, how, how do you go up after talking about Bigfoot and, and bears, but uh, number nine, again, I was a little surprised by this because I, I consider this one in the top three. So number nine was none other than Chupacabra. And Chupacabra is famous in Puerto Rico, uh, but somehow, I, I don't, I guess people seem to think that it flew to the uh, mainland of the United States on its tiny little wings. Now, stories of chupacabra uh, might just be dogs with mange in Puerto Rico, but here in the United States, it's not just dogs. It's also fox, coyote, squirrels. I've seen raccoons and probably a lot of other animals that have been misinterpreted for this animal. Uh, and if you've seen the original drawings of the chupacabra back in 1995, when the first actual sighting was made by Madeline Tolentino in Puerto Rico, uh, this didn't look anything like a dog. It had long hind legs, short front legs, spines running down its back, giant bug eyes, giant front claws. Yeah, it didn't look anything like that. And other variations have shown wings, things like that. But uh, yeah, it doesn't look very dog-like to me. Uh, but m here in the United States, it's pretty much all that. We've seen uh, stories off and on about people shooting and killing uh, chupacabra, but they, they turn out to be generally coyotes with mange because they had the large ears and things like that. Uh, number eight. It's a creature we don't really talk about too much here. I don't remember the last time I've actually talked about this creature, but it's the jackalope. And the jackalope, uh, again, I was a little surprised by this one. It's, it's more of a folkloric creature, but it's still a cryptid. And they're pretty popular this time of the year for Christmas presents, I believe. Uh, sighting of these creatures might have stemmed from real rabbits, uh, but uh, they suffer from a virus called the Shope Poplamova virus, or SPV. It's actually uh, cancerous growths that uh, come out of their head. And they're kind of like uh, bony structures, uh, but they're cancerous. And they could look like antlers. So that's kind of the thought behind this. Uh, I think it's just more or less just a, a hunter's joke. It's kind of a thing that they come up with to fool people who aren't used to being out in the woods. 
Um, what's that other one? The uh, Snipe Hunt. That's the other one. Uh, but unfortunately, Snipe Hunts, uh, Snipe isn't really uh, a cryptid. It's a real creature. But anyway, uh, number six. Wait, I missed number seven. Why am I jumping? Number seven. The Kraken. Or the Kraken. However you want to pronounce it, I don't care. I don't judge. Uh, impressively, the giant squid is given as to the reason, as the real animal that's uh, misinterpreted here. And it was proven to be real in the last few decades. The first actual photograph of a live giant squid wasn't made until 2004. And I believe the uh, first video wasn't until 2008. So this is a fairly recent discovery. And, you know, the, the Kraken goes back to, you know, it's one of the original cryptids, when you think about it. It's been a, around a long time. So these stories uh, were based on some factual information, not just a, a complete myth. Uh, but despite the name giant squid, they only grow to be about 30 feet long, which is uh, still pretty long. Uh, but what the story doesn't mention is that there's also the colossal squid, which can grow up to be uh, about 46 feet long. And that's about as all we know so far. They could be a lot bigger than that. So probably more or less the actual description. So I'm sure somewhere, sometime, uh, a ship might have been, uh, I don't know, somehow, some way ran into one of these things or one of these were dead and floated to the surface and they just thought, my goodness, this is a giant creature. Maybe they, maybe this is a baby and they get a lot bigger. Maybe it could sink your ship. Maybe they did hit one and a wooden ship was damaged and maybe did sink or was damaged enough that it, they thought it could shrink, sink. Who knows? I wasn't there. I'm not that old. Um, but uh, somewhere, somehow that legend was created. But amazingly, with the Kraken, we found an actual creature that matches the description. Granted, they, they don't grab ships and pull them down to the murky depths. At least we don't know they do. Uh, granted, back in the, the pirate era or even before that, these ships weren't as, as big as what we think they are and what we see on all these movies and things. They weren't that big. Um, but number six, this might make some people a little nervous here, uh, the giant spider. Giant spider. So I don't know why you just pulled your legs up off the floor, but... Um, in reality, spiders might get to be as big as a foot across, which, yeah, that's still pretty big. I mean, their legs, not, not the actual body, but that's pretty big. But uh, the article points out that spiders don't have lungs, and so their size is limited to the amount of oxygen in the atmosphere. So they don't get too much bigger than, than that. Uh, but it's still pretty scary to see a, a pretty big one. And, uh, yeah, they'll actually eat birds, which is uh, kind of scary when you think about it. But, uh, I don't know, cats are pretty small and they eat birds too, so who knows? Some cats. Uh, number five, this wasn't a, a complete surprise, but their uh, description of what the 
real animal is. It was a kind of confusing, but the Mongolian death worm made the list at number five. And uh, despite the number of stories, the sightings are thought to be just, just sightings of a tartar sand boa. Yeah, a snake. Uh, it's a it's a big snake, but it's not that big, and they're not even red. Sorry, Kevin Bacon. Number four, come back to the United States here, Mothman. And poor Mothman, uh, this one is explained away by an owl. Yes, an owl. So if you remember, uh, the article doesn't mention this, but uh, you might remember the TV show Project Blue Book that was canceled earlier this year. Uh, they talked about the Braxton County monster, more famously known as the Flatwoods Monster. And the owl hypothesis came out uh, during that show back when it, it happened, but that's really not the way it went down. Uh, the owl hypothesis really didn't come to fruition until the early 2000s by skeptic Joe Nickel, and it's been uh, thrown around uh, quite a bit by... Uh, by skeptics, and it's, and it's kind of true when you think about the uh, red-eye reflection of these creatures and being uh, super tall well, because they're up in a branch, in a tree. Uh, and the, the way the faces were described, especially with the, the uh, Flatwoods monster. Uh, so it does make sense to an extent, but uh, we don't have any kind of validation of that. So we go from Mothman at number four down to number three with the Jersey Devil. The creature that inspired a hockey team is thought to be nothing more than a misinterpretation of a sandhill crane. So another flying creature takes the blame. Uh, the sandhill crane, these are pretty large birds, and, but they're actually rare in New Jersey. But they, they do appear there. Uh, every now and again. Uh, so they're not extremely rare, but uh, rare to see, but do offer a high potential of an explanation, uh, especially since people wouldn't be used to seeing these things and probably catch them off guard. I know one of the first times I ever saw a um, a large bird like that, it, uh, it kind of scared me too. So, um, But at least uh, I knew what I was looking at. Uh, number two... And we talked about the Kraken, 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 really is how it's pronounced, but I'm not going to say nothing. Uh, number two, back to one of the original cryptids, the mermaid. Yes, half fish, half human creatures, generally thought to be part superstition and part misinterpretation of a creature. Yeah, uh, these uh, mermaids are actually thought to be, or sirens thought to be uh, these creatures that pose as females that uh, try to get uh, fishermen or pirates or whomever, sailors, essentially, to follow them, and they try to crash their ships on the rocks, and they, they're murderous creatures. Uh, they're not uh, pleasant creatures. And, uh, yeah, then a company comes along, and uh, puts it on their coffee cups. We still can't figure that one out. But anyway, uh, mermaids are thought to be misinterpretation of manatees 
which are seen uh, pretty much from uh, Florida all the way through uh, probably back in those times all the way through Central America and probably, I guess, South America as well. But uh, also you have the uh, Western Pacific and Indian Ocean cousin, the dugong, that uh, looks very similar. So probably a misinterpretation of these creatures that could be thought to be uh, half person and half uh, fish. I don't know where they got the female part from because uh, these manatees generally have those little like beards. I don't know. Again, wasn't there. Yeah, the number one cryptid on this countdown uh, that uh, can be explained by real animals. The Loch Ness Monster. We forgot about that one. Top three. Uh, usually in my book coming in at number two. So we did cover the top three. Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra. And uh, yeah, that's right. Scotland's own Loch Ness Monster takes the top spot with the explanation that people are seeing giant eels. Which are actually not proven to exist, by the way. So I don't know why they put that in there. Uh, they also say in the article that the second animal responsible for the misinterpretation is a Greenland shark. It's uh, long thought that a Greenland shark was the inspiration for the rash of sightings in the 1930s that originally started all this. Uh, but they've been uh, proven to live, never been proven to live, I should say, in a freshwater lake. And during the massive DNA test, from the Otago University uh, a couple of years ago, they did not find any DNA at all of any shark in Loch Ness. So uh, not a completely feasible argument for the Greenland shark uh, to explain the Loch Ness monster since uh, no one's uh, caught one. It's never been seen, never been documented, and DNA did not show up during a pretty thorough examination of the water of Loch Ness. So I'm not sure how, how much water that one holds. Uh, but uh, again, it's it, popular folklore basically thought to be the inspiration for the original sightings. But I'm going to have to argue that one list verse. But still a nice story, a pretty good story. And it's always nice to have a countdown this time of the year. And speaking of the Loch Ness Monster, last week... There were some heavy rains in the Loch Ness Monster, Loch Ness Monster area, the Loch Ness area, and a river ran over its banks and ended up flooding the Loch Ness Hotel. And sadly, the water damaged the gift shop and uh, quite a bit of the floor level area, and the water spilled out into the parking lot. But another thing that was almost damaged uh, out in the parking lot was a large Loch Ness Monster statue that is uh, kind of poised, I don't know what the word would be, picturesquely in the parking lot. So you can see the, uh, the Loch, Ness, or Loch Ness behind it. Sure, they sell a lot of pictures. Don't think they charge extra, but I'm sure they put it on T-shirts. And uh, there's a picture. I have a picture of that I'll throw into the chat room. Toss gently, I should say. So in the chat room. Uh, you can see the flooding water going down the parking lot. And there's the statue 
of the Loch Ness. That's not really the Loch Ness monster. It's just a statue. And good thing. I mean, how ironic would it be that the Loch Ness monster was swept over the hill, down into the loch, and I don't know, maybe it would float. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, the Loch Ness Hotel was opening this weekend to hold a benefit, the Chris, the Monster Christmas Fair, to benefit MFR Cash for Kids. Uh, so uh, they uh, opened it nonetheless, even though there was uh, flood damage, and it probably smelled a little bit. That damp carpet smell, yuck. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a good cause, so hopefully... Uh, they raised some money and they got some free advertising. Some free advertising from the uh, from the flooding. And this story kind of went everywhere. And one last story tonight in the regular news. We kind of touch back on the monolith stories. And so we've been talking, what, the last two weeks about the mysterious metal monoliths that uh, have been popping up all over the world and people claiming to to have responsibility for them when they don't really have responsibility for them. Uh, one interesting story that I've seen in the last week centers on the uh, Atascadero monolith in California that was, uh, I guess, the official third one to be discovered. Uh, two guys got the idea while eating Mexican food at a Mexican restaurant on December 1st. And then they got to work on it that afternoon. And by Wednesday morning, which would be the following morning, uh, the 10-foot-tall metal structure was put into place. Uh, now, this was after hauling the 400-pound structure two miles up a steep trail and also towing along 100 pounds of gear. Now, the minute thought... Uh, uh, much about taking the monolith down after a couple of days once uh, some people saw it and they didn't know how big of a story it would be if it, if it, at all. Uh, but again, it ended up being the number three monolith and a pretty viral story worldwide. Uh, and they also noticed how much joy it brought local residents and it seemed to numb the pain of 2020. But of course, as we talked about here on the show, uh, within 24 hours of the monolith going up, it was torn down by somebody else. Of course, that seemed to be the trend. Uh, somebody discovers it, and then somebody else uh, knocks it over, rips it down, puts it in a wheelbarrow, uh, melts it down, turns it into a, I don't know, an airplane. I'm not sure what they did with it, but uh, pretty much destroyed it in this uh, video that they shot. Um, so, yeah, a group of men put a video out uh, showing themselves tearing down the monument and they put up a wooden cross uh, in the video they posted online. They also used racist remarks toward illegal aliens and of course uh, space aliens as well. The uh, Addis Cadero mayor, Heather Morin stated, quote, we are upset that these young men felt the need to drive five hours to come to our community and vandalize the monolith. The monolith was something unique and fun in an otherwise stressful time, unquote. Now, so after the story broke, the men decided to contact the mayor and let her know that they had built it. And they also got the notion that it would be uh, okay by the mayor to put up another one 
as long as it was a little bit more permanent. So the men got to work right away and installed their second monolith with the support of 60 pounds of concrete. And I'm not so sure. I haven't. Uh, I tried to follow up on that story yesterday uh, to see if there was any update on this, uh, but I haven't seen anything since uh, this particular story I'm talking about here. Uh, so I'm not sure if um, it's even still there or not. I don't know. All the other, most of the other ones. I think there was one other one still standing, uh, but even it was damaged. Most of them have been torn down by people stolen or just completely destroyed so i don't think i'd be putting them one up now it's getting to the point where people are putting them up in downtown new york and uh, outside of their businesses to try to get some attention you know like giant cardboard things with aluminum foil covering it uh it's just it's it's run its course pretty much at this point and um yeah let's just let it go I mean, 2020 was was weird. It was a cute story while it lasted. Uh, the first three or four, but yeah, it just kind of the wheels kind of came off of that. Uh, let's just let's just keep it let's just keep it going. I mean, it was just uh, it was just too much. Uh, I didn't mind it except for the fact that people were destroying these things. Now, you know, I understood the Utah one. I understood the reason why because people were tearing up the desert trying to go see it. But uh, the California one, there's no reason to tear it down. Yeah, I don't know. It just uh, it just got out of hand. So anyway, that brings us to the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020. So let me do, I'll do a quick recap of number 10, number 9, number 8, and number 7, which the last two, 8 and 7, were introduced last week during last week's show. It went a little bit over, uh, so I kind of wanted to make sure I have time to talk about number six and number five tonight so we're yeah we're officially uh, more than halfway through the countdown it's pretty weird uh, to be done and uh, kind of predicted to do uh, two a night for the five weeks of shows that i do in december and of course if anything were to happen it wouldn't matter if i didn't do it till january uh, I think a lot of people kind of already have a pretty good feeling as to know what the number one story is. And once we start getting into the top five or maybe even the top four, uh, I think people will, will kind of put two and two and two together uh, and figure it out. But uh, number 10, you know, and I've still not bumped this story out. I still don't have the monolith story at number 10. I'm still, I don't know. I'm still kind of, kind of weighing it still heavily in my mind. I'm, I'm still probably not going to go that direction, but it's still a, an option because it was such a, a large story, but I don't know how much it really had to do with the, the paranormal. Uh, but the number 10 story that I have was the MUFON director arrested. And that was the story about Jan Harzan, the executive director of Mutual UFO Network, who was arrested. Uh, MUFON, of course, being the largest UFO research and investigation outlet in the world. And he was, uh, he was arrested for some not-so-good activities toward minors. And... Um, 
the only real big thing about this that uh, I'm weighing the option of kicking to get out of the top ten is I really haven't heard any updates. I don't know if he's gone to court. I don't know uh, if he made bond, or, you know, made bail. I, I don't know. It's really nothing as uh, when you do uh, searches on this story, it just it's dead end at this point. So I'm not sure what happened. Uh, but again, it, it affects the the largest UFO organization in the world, and uh, they've been having a lot of issues, uh, some political issues lately, and uh, you know, there's been rumors that MUFON is kind of on its way to collapse. And you know, a story like this, it it may not, you know, may not pull the plug on the organization right right then and there, but it's certainly something that could wear down this organization's foundation as well as public trust and could lead to its demise. But uh, uh, so far, it's really just made it, uh, I don't know, it's, just, it's still there. It's, but it's really not done too much, uh, the same as the last few years. It's just, to me, it's just kind of floating, uh, kind of floating around the toilet bowl, in my opinion. Uh, number nine, the number nine story this year, Lake Monsters. And that's other than the Loch Ness Monster. So uh, one's in Argentina, uh, the Champ Challenge from Lake Champlain. Uh, we also had one from uh, China and South Korea that was seen. Uh, so very sporadic stories popping up every now and again, every uh, every here and there. We also had uh, that dolphin thing from Puerto Vallarta. We also had Ogopogo, British Columbia. Uh, so a number of stories that just kind of popped up every now and again, and it was kind of enough to keep large uh, water monsters in the news uh, pretty much every month this year, it seemed like, and uh, kept us entertained. So a collection of lake monster stories, why not? Uh, and, you know, this year I, I kind of did something that I, I've done in years past with some stories some people don't like it, but I think it's kind of necessary to keep some of these stories in the top 10, but uh, bundling stories together. So any one of these stories in and of itself, by itself, probably not enough to jump into the top 10, uh, pretty much a sink. And, um, but yeah, none of them by themselves really made the top 10. And that was it. But it's still an intriguing set of stories that uh, it was more speculation than anything. And it was a nice distraction from all the COVID-19 coverage for sure. And you don't always get these uh, every year. You'll, you'll definitely have a handful, maybe four or five stories uh, about strange creatures that wash up on a beach somewhere uh, throughout the year. We had a couple of these included in this a collection of stories, but, um, you know, to have actual sightings of lake monsters in, in a variety of places, that doesn't always happen every year. So uh, I thought it was a nice change to uh, to the lineup, and especially the top 10. And, you know, you add these stories up and how much airtime they got all over the world, uh, how much virility they carried. Uh, was, they were pretty popular stories. Uh, the number eight story this year, Mad Mike Hughes. Uh, sadly, his, his death, as well as the flat earth, earth hoax that uh, followed him. Now, Mad Mike Hughes was a guy who uh, 
was a daredevil who shot himself into the sky in a steam-powered rocket that was uh, homemade. And he's been hurt before, and sadly this year uh, it was a pretty horrific crash. If you saw the video, uh, it was uh, put on Twitter. It was actually live on Twitter, and the, the rocket uh, came off the truck bed, and the uh, the parachute came out prematurely. It, it looked like it hit the steam engine, and it just pulled it out, and it just disintegrated it. And the rocket uh, kind of went a little crooked in the air, flew it, hit a... Uh, hit the height of its arc and then just kind of plummeted straight down into the desert floor. And we pretty much knew that we were looking at somebody who, who just, uh, just died. Now the crash occurred back on February 22nd in the desert near Barstow, California, which is, uh, about a two hour drive Northeast of Los Angeles. And he was filming an episode of a new television series, which, called Homemade Astronauts. We still have not seen anything from that. I'm not sure why. They could have done some editing or something. I don't know. Uh, But the whole entire time, all this, uh, the the headlines of his death were really talking about the flat earth hoax, which had followed him, especially here in the Paranormal News, uh, the Paranormal News Insider, uh, off and on for the last few years, you know, it was always synonymous, Mad Mike Hughes and the Flat Earth Stories. Uh, I believe the Flat Earth Stories as a collective made the top ten a few years ago, and he was included in that. Uh, but uh, he had said that uh, the Flat Earth had nothing to do with his steam rocket launches. And his uh, PR representative uh, basically said that they used that Flat Earth as a, as a PR stunt. Because it got attention, it got headlines, it got people to uh, want to know more about his his uh, his stunts and his daredevil uh, activities. So it was a lot more than just uh, shooting a rocket into into the sky. When you added this flat Earth stuff, he got more press through that than anything else. So uh, sadly, he was known for that. And when he passed away, that was the headlines. Although. Uh, luckily, it was kind of refuted, but I don't think a lot of people really paid too much attention to that. Uh, so the story made the top 10 because the saga of Mike Hughes has lasted a long time and, again, ties to the flat earth stories of the past. And it really was one of the top stories of the pre-pandemic times. We have a couple of these that made the top 10 because, obviously, the world changed when he got into February, late January, I guess even mid-January is kind of when things started, but nobody took it seriously. And, you know, I know traveling in, in Arizona, coming home, I, I saw a whole bunch of people wearing masks at Chicago O'Hare International Airport. I was like, what are these people wearing all these masks for? These aren't, you know, typical type of people that you see wearing masks. And you don't expect to see that many people wearing these things. What's going on? And I really didn't uh, put two and two together until I got home and kind of see the, the news cycle changing. Um, but again, yeah, the story landed at number eight. No, that was bad. Shouldn't have said landed. Uh, it did uh, make the top eight uh, because, again, of the attention with the flat earth hypothesis. But unfortunately, that wasn't really part of it. But uh, the fact that he kind of carried that torch, you know, I figured uh, 
he should definitely this story should definitely be in there in the top uh, the top 10 and it was a pretty big story until obviously covid took over uh, the number seven story this year of the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020 spacex x ufo so spacex and the rocket launches of the starlink satellites uh, the few that they had brought this year, quite a few UFO sightings. There was actually another one uh, last week that I can add to the list of all these sightings uh, of these Starlink satellites. And uh, UFOs were in the, in the news quite a bit this year. Uh, and so were Starlink satellites and their launches. So more launches this year than we've had in the last couple of years. So um, we'll see how that develops moving forward. You think people would be used to this stuff, but they're not. I don't get it. Don't know why. Uh, but it is kind of unique when you see this trail of lights in the sky. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll eventually get used to it. And unfortunately, we're also going to have to get used to uh, these satellite constellations, as they're being called, uh, clouding up the night sky and probably causing some reflections uh, some glint from the sun, and uh, probably causing issues. I'm sure eventually he's going to be advertising with these constellations, you know, lighting them up and spelling out words and things like large drones in the sky. Better not give him too many, too many ideas because that could be uh, something that he could do. I, I can imagine him doing that. I mean, this guy launched the Tesla into space, for crying out loud. Uh, yeah, so the number seven story... UFOs caused by Starlink satellites. And that leads us to the debut of the number six story of 2020. And uh, this story originally, when I first kind of put together this, the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020, this story was actually a little further down. It was probably... I don't think it was number 10, but it was definitely, I was definitely down there. It was probably eight, seven or eight, I think. Uh, but unfortunately, events that uh, came to light uh, put this story, thrust this story up into the number six story of the year. And, and that is, well, it's one of the most heartbreaking stories for me of 2020 uh, related to the paranormal. And it all came to a crashing conclusion at 7.55 a.m. on December 1st. And that is the Arecibo Observatory uh, when it came crashing down. Now, the location had suffered moderate damage from Hurricane Maria in late 2017, as well as from a number of earthquakes, a lot of them earlier this year, uh, which since uh, put a strain on the budget for the facility. They had money uh, geared toward uh, fixing it. They've been trying to work on it for a number of years. And uh, we're finally going to start fixing some of the stuff that had broken or that was damaged back in 2017. Uh, a large cable break, however, in August of 2020, uh, brought a little concern to the structural integrity of the platform. Uh, but plans were in place to help reinforce it. And plans were, uh, you know, put forward to, uh, they were still booking time for the observatory. 
And however, a second cable break on November 6th put the observatory at high risk of self-collapse. The National Science Foundation conducted surveys of the damage and engineers had determined the structure unsafe and the 900-ton platform would eventually be destroyed as safely as possible by a controlled demolition. And on November 19th, the, the uh, facility was officially decommissioned by the National Science Foundation. And uh, many were hopeful that the telescope could still receive emergency funding in order to be repaired, despite the claims by engineers that the cables uh, failed. And they were supposed to be able to hold a lot more than what they did when they failed. Uh, and that meant the health of the structure was worse than initially believed. And I covered on the show on November 21st, a petition was started on whitehouse.gov in order to uh, petition to get money to stabilize the structure uh, that contained 20 tons of lead weights that could be a potential hazard to the aquifer below that uh, feeds, I guess it uh, doesn't feed it, it offers them water. She could eat water, I guess. The uh, the locals in Arecibo uh, was afraid that it could potentially damage their water. Uh, the structure is also vital to the safety of the planet due to the observatory's unique ability to spot near-Earth objects. As, uh, these things uh, whiz by us all the time. And they do threaten life on Earth to potential impact. Not that we can do a whole lot about that, though, right? You know, large rock's coming. It's coming. It's not like we're going to go up there, uh, drill a hole in it, and put... Wait, wasn't that a movie? Yeah, it was a movie. Uh, Angel Vasquez, the observatory's director of telescope operations, was in the control room with others removing valuable equipment on the morning of December 1st when the platform gave way. He stated that during the week, other cables on that arm that broke began to fray, with strands visibly coming off the cables, which eventually led to the breakage drone footage captured the moment one of the cables came undone and snapped causing other cables to break and allowing the platform to swing and essentially destroy itself and it landed on the outside of the 305 meter or 1000 foot wide spherical reflector dish uh, these videos came to light a little bit a uh, little bit after there was one kind of overview that came out that day or that afternoon but uh a couple of other drone one came out a couple of days later, and uh, luckily no one was harmed in the uncontrolled collapse. And of course, the Arecibo Observatory was completed in 1963 and was the world's largest single aperture telescope for 53 years. Uh, it was surpassed in July 2016 by the 500 meter aperture spherical telescope called FAST, built in China. The observatory is well known for its Arecibo message sent in 1974 by Frank Drake that includes data about Earth and humans. However, the merits and discoveries uh, are long, including the discovery of the first exoplanet, uh, binary pulsar, in addition to a huge chunk of data to the SETI at Home project, which uh, that also came to an end this year as well. Uh, in addition to many other SETI projects, it was one of the uh, most used 
telescopes next to the Green Bank Observatory in North Carolina, of course, uh, for SETI. And uh, science and the paranormal will definitely miss this telescope. So while the story made the top 10, well, Arecibo was one of the most unique radio telescopes, even after it was no longer the largest. The observatory had carried out more work for SETI projects than any other telescope, and obviously is well known for its message sent into outer space in 1974. Most astronomers agree the loss of this telescope will hurt the efforts of locating near-Earth objects and the work this unique telescope was able to conduct. Uh, that even though the uh, the fast telescope is bigger and it's more up to date, uh, it still doesn't have the abilities that Arecibo had uh, to to do different uh, tasks. So yeah, this uh, telescope will be missed. So why was the story only number six? If it's such a large impact and it did have ties to uh, SETI and uh, you know the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Well, the paranormal community seemed unaffected by the loss of the observatory. And while 2020 was full of devastating losses, fear, and more important things to worry about, the observatory's destruction was uh, kind of more of a burden for scientists. And in reality, uh, a lot of people saw the writing on the wall uh, four or five years ago uh, during damage even prior to Hurricane Maria. Uh, it's, this has been... Uh, something that's been talked about for a long time. Uh, the uh, observatory was, everybody knew it was kind of coming to an end eventually. Uh, so it was a, a very sad moment, but it was actually not one that was a, a complete surprise. So Arecibo Observatory coming in at number six this year, sadly. Uh, number five, you might not remember this story, but uh, it was probably one of the biggest stories Leading into the year, uh, little did we know what 2020 would become. Uh, but the number five story this year and the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020, the mysterious Western U.S. drones. So, yes, the biggest mystery of January centered on drones. And since mid-December, sheriff departments in Colorado, Nebraska, and Kansas had been inundated with calls of swarms of giant drones in the sky. One witness described seeing about a dozen or more drones that had a wingspan of at least six feet. It wasn't too long that sheriff departments were then joined by the FBI, the FAA, and the Air Force in getting to the bottom of the mystery that had many residents in these three states feeling nervous, vulnerable, and downright scared. A local CBS affiliate waited for nightfall with one of the witnesses and was actually able to document one of the drones. The FAA and Air Force both claimed they did not know who was behind the drones, and the FAA even said they weren't sure if they were drones, despite the number of witnesses and videos that were coming forward. Uh, none of the agencies felt the drones posed any sort of threat and seemed to be downplaying the activity, which seemed kind of suspicious at the time, uh, although it could be to uh, calm the growing concern. There was a lot of concern about these stories, uh, these drones uh, and, and different methods and different means. But uh, Colorado seemed to be the epicenter behind all these sightings. Uh, and they even created a task force 
that search for a command vehicle that could have been deploying the drones. So looking for a closed box trailer with uh, antennas or maybe even a large van. And even a specially armed airplane with three cameras that see in color and infrared even went in search for drones but had no luck. Uh, so this mystery kind of uh, every week we had another story and uh, pretty much this thing was evolving day to day. And, you know, we kind of leaned toward the military drone hypothesis where uh, we thought that potentially military drones were, were kind of uh, circling the area and maybe other people were using their homemade drones, but these other drones were kind of scaring them off or shooting them down or doing something. And uh, a lot of stories kept coming forward. Uh, we had uh, a helicopter pilot C-1, a pretty close up, claimed that it uh, almost uh, hit it, said it came in dangerous proximity to the aircraft. That was on January 7th. Uh, pilot Kirk Peebles stated the drone passed within 100 feet of his helicopter. It's a military, uh, I'm sorry, a, a medical helicopter. Uh, the Colorado Department of Public Safety then began to use more ground-based teams as well as aircraft to make sure that nothing like that happened again. And then they had another mission with uh, uh, aircraft with cameras and other infrared uh, things. Uh, another, probably a, what, four or five days later, uh, look again after this story broke, looking to see if they could find anything. Uh, but nothing. Nothing. On January 11th, the Colorado Department of Public Safety tested a, a small drone at low altitude uh, as part of training for state workers. They were kind of using this as a test to see whether or not people were being fooled by smaller drones and thinking that they were actually larger. So even conducting some tests to test some hypotheses uh, about this. And then it kind of unwinded uh, Unwinded, unwound a little bit more after that as uh, after the large drone sightings, there'd been no physical evidence of large drones in the days and weeks that followed. And a lot of people were leaning toward this just being mass panic over a random sighting or something that uh, caused misinterpretation. Maybe there was one large drone, but all these other stories were just probably smaller things. Um so after these sightings began, there was pretty big national attention. There were over 70 local, state, and federal agencies, uh, military officials, and uh, the FBI, uh, a lot of people getting involved in this. A, a joint drone task force was formed with 10 to 15 separate agencies trying to solve these sightings. And... You know, it kind of came down to it that, you know, potentially even the helicopter that claimed that they saw one in close proximity uh, might have misinterpreted something else, such as a bird or a balloon uh, or even a plastic bag. As this has been documented by other drone sightings over the years, purported drone sightings, even though drones have become something of, uh, of a focus. Um, but... Yeah, it pretty much came down to the fact that uh, nothing was ever discovered about this, that no large drones were ever seen, uh, nothing of all the flights that were looking for these things, uh, infrared radar and uh, telescopic lenses, all these different things that were being used by different 
uh, agencies, nobody saw anything. Whether this was a, a big cover-up for something else, uh, we don't know. Uh, so why did the story make the top 10? Well, it was a pretty big story to begin 2020 on, and we may not remember that because of, of everything that's happened since then. And, of course, uh, it was the most viral story of the month of January, uh, at least paranormally speaking, uh, until really the novel coronavirus took over uh, and started to invade the United States. And, of course, uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter, uh, when they perished in the uh, Calabasas helicopter crash, that uh, really took over the news feed. And uh, this drone thing just kind of went away. Uh, so why is story only number five? Well, this seemed to be uh, a very intricate story. Uh, but unfortunately, it was uh, more than likely based on fear and virility. So kind of think about UFO flaps. So this uh, started with one thing and just kind of uh, the perception of the events and the fear itself probably carried the story a lot farther than what it should have. And again, there might have been some legitimate sightings of drones. Most of the reports were probably more than likely misidentification. And uh, a lot of work has been done on that uh, as well as uh, drone sightings. A lot of these are just misinterpretation of other things, just like UFOs. Uh, so the story was quickly lost in a very, very eventful January. We had a lot of stuff going on uh, between the coronavirus, uh, like I said, Kobe Bryant accident, uh, the Australian fires. I mean, it goes on and on and on with everything that was going on. Uh, so... Uh, the story, unfortunately, just kind of got lost, uh, although it probably went away on its own anyway because there was really nothing to it. Uh, so number five, the mysterious UFO, I'm sorry, mysterious Western drones is your number five story of 2020. And uh, gosh, now we're left with the top four. And next week we'll talk about number four and number three. We're almost done. So with that, we are done, at least for this week. And we will see you next week. Uh, but for now, you know how it goes. Keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. <laughs>